Hello friends. I'm recording this episode while traveling and the sound quality may not be the best. I'm currently in my hotel room in Lisbon. I committed to an episode a week, so here we are. As we start talking about marketing, there is no better place to start than an understanding of status. Because the constant pursuit for it is one of the greatest motivators of every human behavior. The brain is very attuned to tracking social status. We are biologically predisposed to it. In fact, this status mechanism is so deeply connected to our evolutionary history because when humans were still a handful of fragile hominids, it was crucial to recognize who was the fittest candidate to carry on the genes. In a resource-scarce world, who eats first was the most important question. We learn early in life to view our world in terms of who is better, smarter or more favored, from childhood sports and spelling bees to prom kings and queens. So status is important. It should come as no surprise that every story, every single one in the history of humanity can eventually be distilled down to a story about status. So think for a second. Why do we have a front loan? Grass is one of the most grown crops, yet you cannot eat it. So what is its purpose? Well, its purpose is that it has none. It signifies you're wealthy enough not to be bothered by the lost income from not planting a more productive crop. By wasting a piece of land on purpose, you demonstrate status. And do you know who realized the importance of status better than anybody else? Marketing. Marketing, since its inception, has been making great use of humans' constant effort to move up and down the ladder. There are essentially two fundamentally different ways to do this. The first is to change status vertically by tapping on people's need to dominate, to be smarter, prettier, more powerful. The second is to change status horizontally by giving people a place to belong. Think of dominance like this. You're more successful, wealthier, more famous. The comparative form here is key. Status by dominance is based on scarcity. You have only one king, one top student, one best actor award. Most of all, marketing makes use of dominant status very effectively. And here is the playbook. First, start by making people unhappy about their current status. Do it by exaggerating some perceived inadequacy, usually by comparing people to others. And then, present your product as the magic fix. In other words, it is a model that creates an artificial problem and then fixes it. As it proves, it is extremely easy to play this game. All you have to do is make people feel bad about themselves by creating insecurity by comparison. Why do you think the Forbes list exists? Because no matter how high you dominate with your status, it means nothing unless you are compared to someone else. Now, let's move on to status by belonging. Belonging asks a different question. 
Who do I belong with? Who has the same belief system as I do? Who does things like I do? Unlike dominance, which trades on scarcity, belonging trades on abundance. Because it is based on community. We are the more, the merrier. Status by belonging is about togetherness, community, affiliation, acceptance and respect. In other words, belonging is people's desire to be seen for who they are and most importantly, who they are with. Recently I heard something striking, that people form their beliefs not so much on the basis of the facts behind them, but by how it makes them feel to belong in a group that shares the same beliefs. Because by belonging we share stories, therefore we share a culture, and any story becomes true when it is shared. Here is the playbook for creating marketing by belonging. You show up with your vision your version of better. This attracts people whose worldviews align with this vision. And we call this enrollment. It creates a sense of affiliation and togetherness. Enrollment means that you align with others and that you all commit to a similar destination. In fact, we end up calling them a tribe, not clients because they are a group of people heading towards the same destination, even if they've never, nor will they ever, meet. So instead of using extrinsic rewards, clickbaits, scarcity, promotional tricks, FOMO, we show up with a vision, one that talks about meaning and positive change in the culture. In the end, these two status types boil down to our worldview of happiness. If happiness is a temporary dopamine fix of owning something new, then all we have to do as marketeers is give people an addictive ride on the hedonic treadmill. Because human beings metabolize their purchases very quickly. But if you look at the components of long-term happiness, Once you are past a certain level of material well-being, people are looking to have deep personal relationships and to believe in something larger than themselves. And this is the important job we have as modern marketeers. It boils down to this. If we choose to see happiness as the deserving dignity of every human to have autonomy, competence, relatedness and belonging, then all we have to do is to delight people with the respect we give them. So let's compare these oversimplified wedding photography campaigns. The first campaign says, My wedding photography is for you. I will do everything in my power to make you feel more beautiful. I will make you look like a model. And the second one says, You are beautiful. My photography is for you. While both phrases leverage status perception, they do it distinctly differently. The first sounds great on the surface. However, in the heart of it is an emphasis on an inadequacy. You are not a model, but I can make you look like one. It then makes a promise to provide a solution by making you feel more beautiful than you currently are. 
The second campaign starts by recognizing a psychological need of relatedness. You are beautiful. It starts by affiliating you with a group of beautiful people. In other words, I see you for who you are. And people who are beautiful do this kind of photography. Because people like us do things like this. The first campaign is one based on comparison and status by dominance. And the second campaign is the kind of marketing that is empathetic. As a marketeer, it is ultimately up to you whether you want to put on a show in order to win one more sale by day trading on people's happiness. Harsh as the analogy sounds, it's up to us whether we choose to intentionally trip someone just to then give them a helping hand or if instead we lift someone up on our shoulders so we can all see further. My wife is South African. In the African language, they greet each other with a phrase borrowed from the tribes of Natal. They say, Sawabona, which literally translates as, I see you. I see you as in I respect you. I acknowledge you. Now, if you are a member of the tribe, you reply, Sikona, which in direct translation means, I am here. And I find the order of this exchange extraordinary because it means, until you see me, I do not exist. You acknowledging me brings me into existence. And is there anything more human than being seen, acknowledged and respected? You see, we do not need more eyeballs. We probably already have all the eyeballs we need. Every person is already probably famous to 50 or 100 people or even more. You're not just famous, you're also trusted. And once you realize this astonishing fact, you understand that your fans are already here. Now, what you need is give them your vision, a place to belong, and they will become your real fans. Do you know what real fans are? It's those people who would miss us if tomorrow we were to stop what we are doing. Harley Davidson, for years it worked quietly behind the scenes to become the embodiment of freedom, rebellion, the American way. It took a bunch of disconnected people who did not belong and gave them a place to belong. It did not invent much of people, it just showed up to connect them. Apple did not invent people with great taste, it just showed up. Because those people were waiting for someone like Apple to give them its vision and its version of better. So the next critical thing we need to realize is this. In the end, every decision people make translates into an internal narrative trying to address one single question. Who am I and where do I stand in the world? And this may be surprising, but our job as wedding creatives is the same whether we are a florist makeup artist or a photographer. Our job is to help our couples answer this single question.
And once we realize that the majority of our clients are young people trying to understand their position in the world, then we begin to see their wedding as their debutantem ball, their coming out party. It's their opportunity to tell themselves and to the rest of the world who they are, where they stand, where they are heading to and who they stand with. I often show up at a wedding and if every single vendor was thoughtful to answer these questions, I can tell how this couple wants to raise their kids and what sort of contribution they want to have in society. And here is what our job is not. Taking good pictures, creating beautiful tablescapes. Of course we should be doing that, but our real job transcends that. And here's an example. One of my favorite makeup artists will come in the room, spray the air with a custom-made perfume, put on some classical music and spend hours with you. He's giving his bride a story to tell herself about herself. And what's the story? The story of, I belong here, I am beautiful and I deserve this. And that story is worth much more than makeup. So here we are, working in these beautiful places. What will we decide to talk about when we present our work? Dominance or belonging? Luxury and exclusiveness? Or heritage, culture and human connection? Clever brands in the fashion industry already know the answer. They do not emphasize dominant status. They instead abandon words like luxury and remind us what real luxury is about. The art of perfection, of exception, of excellence, of elegance, of sustaining rare savoir-faire inherited from the past, of locally rooted cultural objects and experiences, but also disruptive creativity and high sustainability to make it relevant to today's purpose-driven consumers. Not exclusion, but belonging. If Prada can do it, why can't we? Like always, you can find the show notes for this episode on the website andreaskgeorgiou.com slash podcast. There, you will also find a big yellow button for you to record your questions about any episode. I need your questions. Your questions is what will keep this podcast going. So if you have half a minute to spend, go on to the website. You do not need any special software and all you have to do is click the record button. I need to hear from you. Until then, be well and thanks for listening.